Well, hello everyone. I'm your host, Cindy Ketzel. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Nine to Thrive HR. In this podcast, we team up with experts to bring you the best in HR, talent management, and business strategy. And as you know, we always love to hear from you. If you have any ideas or recommendations for our podcast, please send us an email at podcasts at hci.org. We love to hear from you. You all, I am so, so very excited today to be joined by Cyril Courtleven. Topic of change, which is awesome. We really haven't had a deep dive in that space yet on our podcast. So let me tell you a little bit more about Cyril before we get into it. Probably over 20 years, I would suspect, or 20 years at least, he's been inspiring organizations. And listen to this, you all, IKEA, NASA, Unilever, to approach, and I love this, change with courage, confidence, and enthusiasm. He's very pragmatic, provides pragmatic advice, and he has earned the name, The Simplifier, the nickname, The Simplifier. And with that, we're going to talk to him a little bit about that as well. But this is one of the things that Cyril had said in an increasingly complex world, we do need these simple perspectives to enable us to navigate uncertainty and to turn problems into opportunities. Welcome, welcome. Great. Very happy to be here. And I hope uh, I can inspire some people. I think you will. Look, I've heard you speak. I think you'll be okay today (laughs) on our podcast. But before we dive into it, this was a kind of a burning question for me. And I suspect our community will be curious too. What kind of got you into this space? I know you don't just focus and change. I know it's innovation and creativity also, but what kind of got you into this space? Yeah, so I studied economics. And the reason behind it was because my dad studied economics. That was one of the things. And I could study okay, but he had no clue in what direction I wanted to go. And at one moment, I was working as a management trainee. So that was also a reason I wanted to explore different companies to see what would fit for me the best. And during, that was for two years, we got quite a lot of training. And one of the trainings was in the domain of creative thinking. And for me, creative thinking, creativity for me was art. And it was not something for the business world. But what I discovered is that, of course, business can also learn a lot from creativity. So since then, my mind and my passion has been going in that direction. I've been looking, is there a company doing something with creativity? And I found that in Belgium, I was lucky. Yeah, I'm not sure if they still believe in luck, but there was an organization called the Center of Development of Creative Thinking, started by two professors, and they wanted to give next to the normal logical thinking, they wanted to help students with more lateral thinking, creative thinking. And that center already existed for 20 years, and they gave also a lot of training for businesses and organizations. So I followed the training with them, and then I said, wow, this is what I want to do. I worked for four years as an office manager in that organization, and then 18 years ago, I uh, became self-employed, gave a lot of training and creativity, did a lot of brainstorming sessions, and the last, I would say, six, seven years, I'm mainly focusing on my role as a speaker. So I deliver speeches 
and a bit more in the direction of the change mindset. So what's the mindset that we need to stay open? I still love it. You know, if somebody calls me in the middle of the night, I'm very happy to share my story. So I think that means that I'm still passionate about it. Absolutely. Well, this is interesting. And I know I do want to dive a little bit and gather your expertise and what your knowledge around change, but what did you see that link between creativity and change? How did you see that connection? Yeah, they are both quite big terms, you know, creativity, yeah. change, and you can go in so many directions. What I found is that if you want to change something, in most cases, you need some creativity. You need to innovate. You need to adapt to a new situation. And that's where the creative part comes in. But I think change is maybe even a little bit bigger. I think every day we're busy with change. And a lot of times change is connected to the big innovations, a new phone, a new car. But I think we're innovating every day. Every day when we do something different, we break a small pattern to do something different. For me, it's really already connected to creativity. Or at least creativity can help us maybe open up our mind a little bit more to see more opportunities. So that's where the connection comes in. So we just launched a podcast talking about fixed mindset versus growth mindset. Is that language that you've heard of? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what it makes me think of. Like yes. you said that, like anytime we do something that's different from what we've yes. done, we're it's a creative or innovative or growth mindset. Absolutely. And for me, what I call the change mindset, for yeah. me, it is in between. It is in between the fixed mindset and the growth mindset. Yeah. Oh, cool. How can we get there? So that's where I try to put it or to bring it into the conversation. Yeah. All right. I do want to pick your brain a little bit on change since you have such a plethora of experience in working with businesses. Are there areas that might be considered most challenging as far as changes that organizations are facing? Yeah, and it depends from industry to industry, and it depends, of course, on the role and the time you're in. So I can imagine if you look at the HR spectrum at this moment, I can imagine big challenges are finding the good people. You know, how can we attract the good people and how can we keep them? But those are, for me, a bit more in the domain of trends that are happening. If you look what are the challenges behind it? You know, why are people blocked sometimes or why do we get stuck? And I think that those are maybe a little bit more general, but it has something to do with fear. So what I've seen is that a lot of people are afraid of failure. You know, we don't want to make any mistakes, which is very interesting and good, of course. But at the same time, the world outside is changing also faster and faster. So what I've, I'm seeing right now, and certainly with the larger organizations, they got stuck in their own patterns. They got stuck in their own procedures and rules. And we've created such a complex system. If we want to change something, we immediately have to change 20 things at the same time because we need seven signatures. We need to change. You know, it's all interconnected. And I think... That would be, if you would ask me, what's the biggest thing, why change is so difficult? It would go back to that one. So it has the fear of doing things in the wrong way. So for that reason, we built 
all kind of procedures, but we've built such a complex system. If we want to do something, it takes a lot of time and we have to play different legions, I would say. We have to do something. It's not only HR. It's We have to look at finance. We have to look at logistics. We have to look at the whole management system. We have to look how our whole organization is structured. And maybe this, the change itself could be quite small. Sometimes you make it so complex. If we can do something about that fear, if we can do something about, hey, wait a minute, maybe we don't need a procedure for everything. Maybe we have to accept that we can't control everything. I'm quite sure the change would already be a little bit easier. Well, and it's interesting as you're talking through this, because one of the things we talk about in our change management course, even at HCI, is exhaustion related to change. I get the policies and the procedures, right? I get that when you've got thousands and thousands and thousands of people, right? Like I do get that piece of it, but then it becomes exhausting to even make the simplest or smallest of changes. And then it just becomes like a daunting task. And then people are like, oh, I don't, we can't, <laughs> we're not doing this. <laughs> it feels a little bit that a policy or procedure gives us a bit more structure and it feels like we have it under control, but I don't think that's true. I absolutely believe that we need some policies, we need procedures, but I think we we went a little bit too far. Yeah, we're not flexible or agile. Like to be an agile organization, you have to be flexible with some of that stuff. Maybe a very quick example that I think people can recognize it. When I start my presentation, I start with a banana peel. So we come up on stage with a banana peel and everybody thinks, ah, what's a banana peel? I throw it on the floor and I say, okay, let's solve this problem. And I want to grab the banana peel, but then suddenly I'm stopped. Oh, wait a minute. Somebody from Human Resources. Hey, um, what are you doing? Yeah, I'm picking up the banana peel. Yeah, but is this in your job description? Do you have the right skills to do this? So I'm going to send you on a training. And then two weeks later, I want to grab the banana peel again. And then suddenly quality control is there. Wait a minute. No, this has to get into the system because it's new. Go to internet. There you can download seven pages. What's the problem? How are you going to solve it? A little business plan. And then maybe we give you a permit. You know, and they do a little bit of role playing and then the management team comes in and they say, ah, we have a solution. You know, we are going to create a ladder to put on top of it. And then I bring a ladder on stage. I walk over the ladder and it works. You know, I didn't fall over the banana peel. And then what a lot of organizations say, this ladder, it's a new rule, the new way of working. But everybody feels, hey, wait a minute. This is not the most efficient solution. But by using this as a metaphor, so for me, a ladder is an inefficient system, rule, procedure. And we've built ladder on ladder on ladder on ladder. And if I share this metaphor, a lot of people think, okay, maybe we have a few of those ladders also in our organization. And that's for me, maybe a signal for people or saying, hey, wait a minute, maybe, and I think it is a role from HR, maybe we have to help the organization in reducing the number of ladders. That might be interesting to, if you want to stimulate change. 
Yeah, each ladder that has been built is exactly in your banana peel example, which I saw that on your website too. And I was like, what is that banana about? But yeah, we've built more and more ladders to take care of the original issue. And now you've got five ladders on top of something like to your point earlier that it could be simple. I'm sure that when you present that, because I'm a real tactical person. So like experientially seeing that, I bet you there are people in the audience and their minds are probably a little bit blown like, oh my gosh, we've done that. That's what we're doing. So that probably works pretty well. Yeah, it's true. And it happens in every organization. Yeah, absolutely. But the larger the organization, of course, you have your history, the more ladders that you have. That's right. That's right. Well, speaking of that, and again, I almost feel foolish asking this because What I'm going to say is, yeah, because we're making it so tough to make change, but I'm going to go back to our change management course. And one of the things that we do talk about, and we've built those five ladders and now we've got, uh uh-oh, but would you agree or what do you see or what's your opinion? What we talk about in class sometimes is an interesting point that oftentimes organizations, they're catalyst for change. The reason that they are ready to create the change is often a burning platform or an urgency. So what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, I definitely recognize it. So a lot of times we human beings, we love patterns. We love to do things in the same way. And this has something to do with how our brain is wired. You know, our brain wants to preserve energy. So for that reason, it builds all kinds of patterns. And that, that also helps for efficiency. You know, if you always brush your teeth with your right arm, give it a try, do it with your left. It will be hard, but you can train it. So once we've built up a lot of those patterns, it is hard if somebody comes with a new idea and want to change something. Most of the time, we go back to what I call idea killers. You know, all kinds of expressions like, yes, but... We've already tried it. Yes, but it doesn't work for us. Yes, no money, no time. And those idea killers, they block the change. So if somebody comes up with a new, you want to go in a certain direction, most of the times those pop up. In that case, if you can create a burning platform or you can let those people feel, hey, but there is an urgency, the way how we worked before is not working anymore, That will help. Then people will feel, okay, I have to get out of my patterns. I have to do things in a different place. But most of the times we get stuck. You know, the last two and a half year is a brilliant example, you know, next to the whole pandemic, next to the all negative consequences. But I think that that whole pandemic, it was the biggest catalyst of the whole digital revolution. You know, I've talked to a lot of companies before COVID. And they say, yeah, we should work more in a digital way, but, you know, or people are not ready for it. We don't have money to do it. IT is not ready. We can't do it. And then we had the pandemic. One week, one week, and everybody was working from home. <laughs> IT was ready. There was budget. You know, in the beginning, people were struggling with the whole Zoom and Teams that they were mute. But they were doing it. And all of us, we did it. So even for me, the pandemic was also an example of that we human beings, we can change fast and we can make big changes. So I totally agree. If we can make a kind of an urgency and 
maybe you have to look what would be relevant for the people who have to change. How can we make it? What's in for them? Because if you just have to change and you don't see why you have to change, I understand that you go back to your old patterns, which makes sense. That's a lot easier. It's you know? easy. Yeah, it's easy. And we're already exhausted, right? Because we're already changing. There's already so many minute changes that are happening around us. But yeah, pandemic's a great example of it. And I love that your point, like we can do it. We can. Is it tough? And do we have hurdles? Absolutely. But we can do it. Well, hey, when I introduced you, I was using this term for you called the simplifier. So we'd love to know a little bit about how you got that title and how that connection is with change mindset or any tips you might have along with that. Absolutely. And I think this related to the previous question of the, the burning platform. If you can make something very simple, people aren't that afraid of it and they're happy to try out some things that was the whole purpose that i found is how can i make the topic change a little bit more simple that's my goal that's my ambition how can i help people to make change a little bit more simple because just saying the word people already get afraid and they think that it's big and they have to do things in a really different way and change doesn't have to be very big change can be simple so what I've done, I try to distill from, you know, all the knowledge and inspiration and the experience that I had, how can I bring it together into a speech? So sometimes they only have half an hour or 40 minutes. What are some of the things that I can really give to people to make change a little bit more simple? So that's where the nickname came from. But maybe I can give a few tips what I do. I can give you the summary. So I've also written a book with the title, The Change Mindset. But people don't have to buy it. They don't even have to read it because I'm going to give the summary in three minutes. The summary are three words for me. Yes and act. Yes and act. Yes for me stands for suspend your judgment. That's what we just tapped already on, is can we go from the idea killers? Yes, but... We don't have time, we don't have money, we've already tried. Can we go to a yes and? What would be possible? So I call those idea boosters. And to make it really practical, I have a method, I call it the three-minute rule. What's the three-minute rule? In your next meeting, maybe you have 10 agenda points. I would say nine of them logical thinking. Do what you normally do. But maybe there is one agenda point where you could use some creativity. And I created some coasters and there is also a poster. If people go to ideakillers.net, you can download it for free. It's in different languages. I would recommend put them in your office. And then when you need some creativity, you say, hey, let's apply the three-minute rule. For three minutes, everything is possible. We've all the money, we've all the time. You can do whatever you want, but you have to answer with yes and and you add something. If there is somebody who is saying, yeah, but we already tried it before, then you can grab the poster and you get like in European soccer, red card. What does it mean? You killed one idea. The punishment is you have to come up with two new ones. That's the rule. So you do this for three minutes. After the three minutes, you look at all the ideas that you gathered and you pick the ones that are relevant. You know, maybe you combine some ideas, you make it smaller. But a lot of times people are so amazed after those three minutes and say, wow, you know, why haven't we thought about this? Because we always think that we have to come up with the perfect solution. No, sometimes you just have to, 
you know, play around a little bit and go into the yes and. So that's the yes for me. The end sent for me, look at the world from a different angle. A lot of times we look from the same perspective to the world. So if you're working in HR, you always want to solve a problem from the point of view of HR. But sometimes it can be very interesting to look over a department. I call that crossing borders. So what can HR learn from marketing? What can we learn if we would have the role of a CEO? But even further, if you're working in the financial area, you're working in a bank, hey, how would a pharmaceutical company solve a problem? What would Disney do to solve a problem? And by allowing yourself to open up the perspective, more possibilities will pop up. And the last one is the act. We have to do something. We can talk a lot about ideas, but if we don't get into action... Yeah, nice thinking exercise. But if we really want to have a change, we need to do something with it. And there I introduce a term, what I call a nano action. And what's a nano action? You have limited budget, limited time. Those two are the biggest idea killers. We don't have time. We don't have money. Okay, you know, $10 or 10 euros, that should be possible. And I know you're really busy, but if you plan it now, next week, one hour should be possible. Then instead of sitting behind your desk, you know, and trying to figure out the best perfect plan to solve your challenge, can you take a nano action? Can you pick up the phone? Can you call a colleague? Can you walk to a different apartment and say, hey, we want to attract some new colleagues. What would be your idea? You can try it. If it works, brilliant. You take an next nano step. If it's not working, okay, you only lost one hour or $10, so no big deal. But you learn something. You probably learn more than the person who's still sitting behind the desk, you know, trying to figure out a perfect plan. So it's these three, you know, yes and act. Of course, they give a few more tools. But if you start to apply those, and I think certainly HR, if you can use those simple tools, change will be a little bit easier. So I hope that this helps. Yeah. And you know what? It's interesting as you were talking through it, I feel like, in organizations, people need almost permission. Does that make sense? Like they need permission to do yes and act. Absolutely. And that's also a reason why I call it the three minute rule. You know, it's so small, three minutes. We can take three minutes out of our meeting of an hour to come up with something else. And at that moment, I create a context. I create a context that during those three minutes, you can shout crazy stuff. And I'll bet you, like at the end of those three minutes, the energy. Yes. Right. The energy. And even if it's just brainstorming and even if we don't make it to the act, right. Even if we're just starting on that. Yes. I would feel so much more fueled in three minutes. It's indeed it's energy. And a second thing that's maybe even more important is that When somebody comes up with a new idea, we have the tendency to immediately go to the, yes, but we can't do it. But what happens if we do this all the time? If somebody is asking, is anyone has a new idea for this? You're not going to say anything anymore, you know, because you are afraid that you get an idea killer. So if we can practice the three minute rule, people will become more skilled in it. We will be a bit more open. If somebody comes up with an ID, at least we will listen for it for 30 seconds instead of 10 seconds. Squashing it, yeah. And maybe even that first attempt for the three-minute yes, make it a really simple 
Yeah. You know, come yeah. up with, you know, we go on a holiday together. What, what are we going to do? And yeah, just- how fun. Yeah, just to have fun with it. I love that. With all of this in mind, then, how can we as an HR function help to assist our people leaders with moving through some of these ideas or moving through some of this change to fruition? Yeah, so a lot of times what happens is that the management, they have a certain vision, they see trends in society, and they want to go in a certain direction. A lot of times we want that our people are more engaged and are open for the change. That comes on the plate of HR. They say, hey, how can we make sure that our people are more open and agile? And I think the things that I've shared with the Yes and Act might already help. You know, So I think that HR, you can be a catalyst of every meeting you know, take the last five minutes to try and generate some ideas, help people with putting different head or putting some different glasses on. Hey, how would somebody else solve this problem? What can we learn from different industries? Because a lot of times we're stuck in our own industry. We think that the solutions are only there. Hey, wait a minute. Can we look a little bit further? And another thing, can we allow our people to take some nano steps? You know, can they do something? And if it doesn't work, You know, instead of immediately saying, oh, you failed and we're going to punish them. Hey, be proud of them. You know, they at least they tried something. So we think this will also help HR to create a more learning environment that there is a safe space where people can apply those skills and try out something. You know, we from HR and the HR professional, we also just human beings. We also have our patterns. So what I've done in the previous years, I've collected all kind of inspiration, how HR can learn from different departments, different industries, different sources. So for example, and I collected all those examples and it became one newsletter, but it was so too many examples. So I split it. And now I have a series of 15 newsletters, every newsletter with four examples, like what can HR learn from the mafia? What can HR learn from Disney, from the military? And those are very short snippets, but I think it might also help people to open up your own brain. You know, I think it starts with your own mindset. If you're not open, then it's very hard to convince other people to go in a certain direction. So that might be an interesting thing that people can explore. Um, If they go to my website and they look for crossing HR borders, or even thing if you type it in Google, crossing HR borders, it will pop up. So that might be some extra inspiration. Yeah. And again, you know, I'm using that language of permission, but again, when we are in an environment that we're buttoned down, right, be able to have that permission to expand our thinking, to be more innovative, and to where we started this conversation, to be creative. Yes. Some of us, we've probably lost that. Rightly so, right? Because just the patterns we're in day to day, but rightly so, we've lost some of that. So what a great way to be able to expand our thinking. Absolutely. And don't blame yourself for that. That happened to everybody. It is our society or schools, you know, they are all in the direction of we have to come with one perfect solution. No, that's not the world. You know, I think we have to explore 20 different solutions and depending on where you are, at what time, in what industry, we need different solutions. So if we can practice those skills, yeah, it will really help. Yeah, and borrow from what's been done, you know, borrow, yeah. 
we do always say in the HR profession, why recreate the wheel? So why not, you know, look to other industries to even see how we can further our own change or innovation? Oh, well, this was awesome. I love, I mean, we could go on and on talking about change and creativity. And I love this topic so much. And I think it's, it's inspirational to our audience because again, we also get in a very route day to day environment sometimes. So it's a good reminder for us. And we'll make sure we link to those newsletters Perfect. when we launch this. So thank you for sharing so much and sharing with us tips and tools and how we can open our thinking a little bit more. Yeah, perfect. I'm very happy to do it. And uh, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, we've loved having you. All right, you all, just a couple of things real quick here. Please remember, if you do have recommendations for us, shoot us an email at podcast at hci.org. We'd love to hear from you. Keep that up. We've been hearing from you, so keep that up. Also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast app. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to give us a rating. Your rating helps other professionals and talent-minded people discover our program. Thank you so much to Cyril for being on today and for you all, our 9 to Thrive HR listeners. Thank you from all of us here at HCI. We really appreciate you for tuning in. Thanks, everyone. Make it a great day.